whilst you're in birth, you're at your most powerful, but also most vulnerable. It's about creating a positive birth experience and whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, about feeling confident, feeling calm, feeling in control, um, navigating the surprises, etc. Welcome to Tinto Talks, the podcast where mums and experts reveal what you really need to know about motherhood so that you can really trust your instincts. I'm Octavia, a physiotherapist of 10 years and a mother of two. My focus is to empower women through pregnancy and beyond through strengthening their bodies and providing information and therefore choices. I've also recently become an expert for Tinto, an app that I've seen improve mums' lives with fast, trustworthy advice whenever they need it. Welcome to Series 3 of Tinto Talks. We're temporarily moving away from birth stories and on to expert advice, covering an exciting range of topics from a variety of professionals, including doctors, physiotherapists and birthing coaches, discussing pain management in birth, contraception, returning to running after pregnancy and matrescence. I didn't know what that was either, but stay tuned and you'll find out soon. We kick off Series 3 with the wonderful Valentine Gardner, a hypnobirthing and positive birthing and parenting practitioner. She unpacks hypnobirthing, crushing the myths and offering some excellent advice that I wish that I had had in the run-up to my first birth and journey into parenthood. This recording was taken from a live on Instagram on a cold and dark night in lockdown. Enjoy. Hello. Hey. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good. It's so nice to be all glammed up. I feel like I'm going out, like got my makeup on and my nice clothes (laughs) all dressed up where to go literally I mean this is the definition of it just sat in my office anyway it's so good to have you here thanks for joining us um can you start by just giving us a little introduction of who you are and what you do and how you came to to train yeah, sure. So I'm Val from Positive Birthing and Parenting. I support women in pregnancy, birth and the postnatal period with um, hypnobirthing and antenatal uh, courses and postnatal wellbeing sessions. Um, most importantly, I'm also a mum of two, two toddlers and a third one on the way. Crazy. Um, You're going in again. That's brave. <laughs> I don't know. So what actually is hypnobirthing? Like, can you explain kind of what it is and how it's used to support birth? Because I think a lot of people have different kind of understanding of what it is. I think that the word, the name, puts a lot of people off. Uh, a lot of people are suspicious by the name hypnobirthing. It's actually a very silly name for something that's actually quite logical. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, well, I guess what's maybe more helpful is to talk about what it's not and, and address <laughs> conceptions that um, a lot of people have so the first thing is people expect that it's going to be some kind of Darren Brown um, out of control experience where they're going to be made to do things that they don't want to do an element of hypnobirthing is hypnotherapy so it you know or hypnosis Uh, but you are very much in control Um, all it is is you are in a very relaxed state where you are more more um, susceptible to to positive suggestions so essentially it's a process of letting go of, of some of these negative negative beliefs that we've accumulated over our lifetime uh, yeah. our birth um no and, and then another thing that people think is oh hypnobirthing is you know this kind of hippie spiritual thing out there whatever you call it yeah Again, I mean, I, I like I, I like a bit of spirituality, but I'm very much a scientist by background. So uh, <laughs> this is, you know, it's completely logical. Is there's loads of evidence for it? Lots of midwives actually are getting trained as hypnobirthing practitioners. Yeah. It's incorporated in the NHS, so you know, very much kind of evidence based. And, the, and I think that's that's key, isn't it? You know, you want something that works. I think you're right. Maybe it's just got a bad rep, you know. And I think I remember when I tried to do hypnobirthing for my when I was pregnant with my first I just kind of kept like just I think I didn't believe in it before I'd even tried it so and it's it's not about believing in it it's about it's a it's an understanding it's a state of mind and it's about kind of creating that environment that helps you be calm and relaxed Mm -hmm. yeah 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 exactly and and one thing that I always emphasize that you know a lot of people also think oh hypnobirthing but that is just for home births Mm -hmm. um or it's just for 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 these you know whatever 
a certain type of birth and actually it's for all type of all types all birth scenarios yeah in my course I always emphasizes it's about creating a positive birth experience and whatever that looks like for you and you know about feeling confident feeling calm feeling in control um yeah. navigating the surprises etc i mean i can go in a yeah. lot else but um yeah i think that's interesting what you just said actually because i think one of the girls that i interviewed before on this she had to have a cesarean because she had placenta privia and part of the process of coming to terms with that that she was going to have to go in for surgery was a lot of kind of mindful behavior and like lots of learning about what it was she was doing and then just going into that calm space and being as prepared as possible which helped her then feel excited and positive about it rather than feeling really overwhelmed and Mm -mm this kind of leads on but like birth is becoming more medicalized you know it's kind of a big thing that everybody feels very anxious about at the moment you know there's c-sections are like 25 percent of women have a c-section now in the uk 33 percent in america but also even if you don't end up with a c-section you can tend to um uh, maybe not progress as well and then needing um, assisted delivery so what do you think is kind of impacting and driving that I think, I mean, lots of different things. I would say the number one reason being that most women give birth in um, in a hospital labour ward. And so, you know, and, and that the closer you are to the hospital, um, the higher the, the chance of, of the medical interventions. Um, that's yeah. because you are, you know, then usually looked after by, yes, midwives, but also obstetricians and doctors, mm-hmm. but also because... You know, we are in, we've got this wonderful system, we've got the NHS, as wonderful as they are, they're also, you know, as you know, under so much pressure. Mm-hmm. So they are going by time um, pressures, they've got protocols, they've got policies, and which, you know, if you were giving birth maybe in a, in a home birth environment or in a birth centre environment, mm. uh, you know, th- they might be a bit more flexible around that. I think a really big one is is place of birth. Um, also, though, I think the population, um, the population of, of women, you know, having babies, is 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 changing. Change. So we've got. I hate this term, but you know how they say, "Are oh, women over thirty? Say, it. oh god, I'm so glad you didn't say it. <laughs> You know how some people, as soon as you're over 35, you get labelled a geriatric or whatever. (laughs) Women who are over 35 have a higher chance of having birth or pregnancy complications. Same with people with higher BMI, are more at risk of developing certain conditions like preeclampsia, etc. And also, also, I guess if you're in hospital... If other than the fact that you might just not want to give birth at home, but if you're there, there might be a possibility, as you say, that you have these complications. So technically, maybe if you're already in that environment, maybe you're there for a reason. So yeah, um, yeah, 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 totally. Um, so yes, and, so there's lots I, of factors playing in. I mean, this is not to say anything about this. Whatever place of birth where you feel the most relaxed the most like is the right is the right place for you mm. uh, it's not to say anything about different types of birth it's just no. to know that if you are in the labor ward you are you are at a higher um chance of yeah. a, a medical intervention that that's all it's just mm. helpful to know that um yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. It's just that it is the case that when you're in those environments, that it's more more interven- you know, more intervention. And then, of course, there's there's the fear of birth, isn't there? The process of birth kind of gets disrupted, which is where hypnobirthing comes in. It can often get disrupted by this kind of fear of 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 labouring. Um, and I think, like you know, it's it's perfectly normal to be scared of the fact that you're about to give birth like you're it is a a trauma to the body you know it's scary for you it's you're fearful for your baby you want to make sure that they come out okay um you know you're also kind of just have no idea about what's about to happen in your life you know you you, no matter how much you mentally prepare for having a child like you know you'll never really know but then also those fear levels can um actually have a really negative impact on how your birth progresses because your adrenaline kicks in and then your oxytocin goes down and then you can kind of get slower contractions and and all those sorts of things so how do you address fear in your in your sessions of you know how do you kind of try and break down those belief systems 
So, yeah, as you say, I mean, it's totally normal to have fear. Most people do. And most people do have fear because of because of the cultural conditioning, because of what been, we've been taught in childhood, stories from family and friends. Um, often people volunteering these horrible stories as soon as you announce you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, and things in the media as well, you know, things that you read and things that you watch, I've never ever seen. Yeah. Kind of, for example, I've never seen events on TV every time. <laughs> Someone giving birth in, in in whatever documentary or Rachel from Friends is on their back screaming their heads off <laughs> and you know I've never I don't think I've seen someone in a birth pool for example so yeah. it's a very kind of distorted um, image of what, yeah. what what birth is like most of the time um, but yeah so in in hypnobirthing you know we address fears in different ways the first one is like I mentioned before, is the hypnotherapy element. So, you know, reprogramming some of these very deeply ingrained fears that we have, uh, these negative ideas, and replacing them with more positive beliefs. So you do that by listening to um, the relaxation tracks. Um, You do that by um, using positive birth affirmations. There's different kind of techniques, um, different hypnobirthing techniques for that. Yeah. but very much changing that internal narrative, you know, the things that we've been telling ourselves about birth for, for forever. Um, it's a bit like sports psychology. So some of the techniques... Yeah, athletes, I like that. <laughs> what? It is an endurance event as well, so I like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, like some of the techniques that athletes, for example, training for a marathon um, might use to get themselves over that 20-mile wall or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Another thing, so the hypnosis element is is one thing. The second thing is the whole um, understanding, you know, getting getting an understanding of, of of the physiological event that's birth. So what you were just saying before, what facilitates the birthing process? What gets in the way? You know, why it's so important to create an environment where oxytocin, the hormone that fuels labor um, is produced rather than adrenaline. Uh, Why it's so important to get plenty of oxygen to the muscles so that they can do the job that they're designed to do. Mm. Um, And then the third thing would be getting yourself prepared to navigate the surprises. So, so you know, that, you know, they're counted for should an alternative, you know, this alternative scenario, occur you know that you've got a plan for it and then you can you know you can kind of don't waste all of that energy on kind of freaking out about it you're there kind of being like you know what we kind of knew that this might happen and it's okay because our plan was to do this so there's always a plan b or c or d whatever it is and i think like that is so important like in whatever birth that you have planned is having that that understanding of all of the different aspects is something that we talk about i think in almost every single podcast is knowing that there is just such a variety of ways that things can go um and and therefore when it happens or you know you're prepared and you're you're feeling positive about it and you're like you know what this is okay we've got this under control or even your partner could make the decision because you he or she knows what it is that you want to to do so that that stress and worry and anxiety is kind of kept to a minimum so that you can focus on what it is that you're supposed to be doing which is birthing the baby yeah 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 exactly and kind of activating your animal brain or your primitive brain oxytocin being produced whereas when you're activating that thinking brain adrenaline kicks in and then you're out of your zone if you like yeah i've got a quote um, and um you don't learn how to birth like you've got everything that you need within you and i think it's your brain that kind of switches off that ability sometimes as you say like you've got to go back into those reflexes like you know you're you're not creating the contractions like yes you do that last little bit of the push at the end but your body's just built to do it you know and the system yeah. there you know and there's uh, there's examples of people that have given birth in a coma mm. you know like wow. there it's just we no get way. our thinking brain gets in the way of it Wow. I think um, another thing someone once said was that whilst you're in birth, like you're at your most powerful, but also most vulnerable. And I think that's such such a lovely, you know, kind of description. I think, you know, we have to kind of utilise the power, but protect the vulnerability at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think actually something that should be said alongside this is that, you know, whilst dealing with fear of birth, for some people, it 
going into hospital and having a medicalized birth where you are well supported by a team or you end up deciding that you want an elective cesarean maybe that is the right decision for you and I think like mm. that you know again a lot of um we'll kind of go on to this a bit later but um a lot of the things that the problems with birth is that we're not taught about it as much and the stories that you end up hearing are only anecdotally after you've had your baby often you know I've got an NCT group at the moment and the uh, the girl um in my antenatal pilates class that she was the last one to have the baby and I was like how's everyone else's birth going she's like I don't know no one's told me and it's like well that's ridiculous like you know you spend this whole time learning and trying to gather all this information and everyone's like zips up as soon as they do it because they're like I don't want to tell you how awful it really was you know because but it's just like you know you've got to share these things and I don't know we should be empowering each other and 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 also if you're going you know knowledge is power if you're going to kind of make a decision then you you shouldn't be made to feel there's a right way or the wrong way it's a decision that you have to make with all the information that you have it's an informed choice you know and the right one for you and we all have different perceptions of risks we have different thoughts and feelings about different things so yeah it's very much about you know informed decision making and, mm. and personalized decisions that feel right you know for yeah. you or baby so if you've got somebody who's kind of desperate to birth naturally but is really or, or not sorry I shouldn't even say the word naturally but birth you know in the most kind of unassisted way um and is fearful of birth and really trying to get on board with it how do you how do you kind of I guess I've kind of asked it already about how do you break down the fear but how do you really try and get them on board like if they're just really struggling to get the concept well I guess um you mean if someone's already signed up to the course as yeah of stuff that would be covered as part of the and they keep just going back to that original fear and they keep thinking you know every time they're like okay i've got this i've got it sorted in my head they're like but just in case you know i think it's i mean it's to keep practicing because the course is one thing but a lot of it is is what happens afterwards and the practice okay. the practice of the technique so you know you've got these hypnobirthing techniques those whether they're, they're the breathing techniques they're listening mm-hmm. your relaxation tracks um yeah. your birth affirmations all these different things so it's you know practicing those every day um to really reprogram and 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 change those negative beliefs and replace those with more positive ones um so that's the kind of practice thing that 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 goes after the course um but also you know getting people to think about what some of their comfort measures in labor depends what the fear is about but a lot Mm -hmm. of time it's about the pain or you know that so um it's about, you know, yeah, gathering those comfort measures. Um, what might they want to try in labour? Thinking about it might be a massage, it might be water, it might be a TENS machine. So kind of really having a toolkit of relaxation techniques as well as those coping strategies when things become a bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point about the kind of practice as well, though, because I think it's something that I know when people talk about meditation and, you know, trying to kind of, that the more you do it, the easier it becomes and the better you get at kind of being able to kind of, when you have those moments of anxiety, to kind of switch into it. And someone was saying to me once about prayer, like that I think it was about monks when they put their hands together and they kind of dip their head. They do it so many times that as soon as they do it, they go into that kind of trance state. And I think you're, it sounds spot on to say that like, the more you do it, it's not just going on a course and like ticking the hypnobirthing box. Like it's something you've got to kind of immerse yourself in. But that's it. And it's very much about, you know, because those breathing techniques in labour is not the time to start thinking, oh, what was that breathing technique that we learned? <laughs> so that it's so familiar that you just don't even think about it you just reach for it yeah. and so when you put on those relaxation tracks that you've been listening every day in pregnancy and hopefully you've been, back. What you've been doing it you know in, in straight away you feel relaxed you access it accessing that deep state of relaxation mm. um really easily because you've practiced that you've conditioned yourself to do that I'm Edia and I'm the co-founder of Tinto, the app for fast, trustworthy answers for mums and experts who really know their stuff. It's simple really, when you've got a question at 3am that just can't wait, ask a Tinto mum. If your question is a bit more complex, ask a Tinto expert. We've got experts who specialise in feeding, sleeping, pelvic floor, mental well-being and so much more. So. Download the Tinto app for free today and I'll let you get back to the good stuff for now.
So obviously, within other than your hypnobirthing, you also run antenatal classes, um, and we've kind of covered a little bit. Um, but what what sort of stuff do you cover in those classes, and how is it different to NCT? So I guess my my courses are combined. So it's hypnobirthing. So I do some some kind of shorter hypnobirthing focus courses but also some that are combined. So my group courses, you know, my kind of full course is hypnobirthing and antenatal education. So um, so we talk about practical things that I think sometimes gets covered in NCT, but I get, I get a lot of clients that do both. And, and actually the overlap doesn't seem to be, you know, that, that great. Mm. Um, but more practical things like uh, creating that positive birth environment, wherever you are, um, the coping strategies that I talked about, you know, understanding um, what some of those might be. Also, you know, whether those are natural pain reliefs or, pharma, you know, me- medical pain reliefs, understanding some of the different options that you might want to try, um, the role of the birth partner, which is so, so, so important. One, yeah. um, you know, really kind of preparing the, the woman and the birth partner so um, as a woman in labor how do you want to be supported as a birth partner in what capacity do you wish to support because it's also really important to respect that people have boundary yeah. um so to make sure that you are very much aligned with your birth partner but also you know your birth partner can do many things they can advocate for you in labor they can create that that, that relaxing birth environment and yeah. it's to make sure you don't get disturbed they can um uh, you know, they can be your DJ, they can be a massage therapist, um, there can there can be many different things. So it's really spending a lot of time talking about these different roles and, and also empowering the birth partner. Um that they they have such an important role. So yeah. you know, it's sometimes they, they feel like, oh I really want to help but I'm not sure how to. So a lot of these kind of practical elements as well as things like physical prep. So, you know, your pelvic floor, how to prevent tearing, um, positions. For, what do you, how do you prevent tearing? So there's the different things like, um, for example, use of water has shown to so birthing in water has shown to, to help prevent tearing. positioning. So using positions that are upright, open forward. So nothing on your back or anything like that, that, that has a, a greater chance of, yeah. of tear. Um, so there's lots of different things. About so, perineal massage. Yeah, exactly. Perineal mis- massage is one of them. Your pelvic floor. So these kind of more, yeah, physical preparation element, yeah. um, more you know, traditional. What I would call antenatal, you know, prep, if you like. Um, Do you talk through all the kind of different types of births as well? So kind of, obviously, you're very. Well, no, you're you're not pro, um, you know, unassisted delivery. You're you're pro. You're pro birth <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> <Just done. laughs> like, uh, but can you kind of go into the detail about the forceps and you know cesareans and all these different things so that kind of women can be prepared about? Because I think again, like you know, the word forceps kind of just makes most women kind of shiver. Yeah. Um, and I think which is fair enough. But you know, um, again, if you have a good understanding about it, how it can help you, and you can then assist that birth rather than um, yeah, being, exactly. That's a really big part of it, and it's the informed decision making. So understanding your options, but especially in in the face of changing circumstances. So understanding the more common what ifs. So yeah. that would be induction, that would be a cesarean section, that would be, like you said, a forceps or von two's delivery, and and not just understanding what happens, but also how you can still make it a positive experience. Yeah. I was going to say, I think induction is quite a big one, actually, because I think a lot of women are induced. And I think many don't know that it can really ramp up the pain um, and, the, you know, but also that, you know, again, different techniques can help you kind of get through that. One of the ladies I've interviewed um, had her was induced and then delivered without any pain relief, which I find quite remarkable. Really, mm-hmm. But, you know, like, I think there's, yeah, it's just preparing people for all the different options and also knowing that you don't have to say yes to an induction. You know, again, going back to that medicalized birth, you know, my friend went in the other day and she was, um, the baby was coming up largely. She was told 37 weeks and was told that they were going to induce them next week. And she said, well, you know, I don't want to be induced, you know. So just knowing that you have that choice to say no thanks. And knowing that you're, what the risks are, if you do say that, you know. Mm. I think that's the, 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 the I guess, the, the, the problem with the wonderful NHS that we're in, but, you know, the kind of, the struggles that they're under is, is sometimes women don't get presented with that full picture. So, mm. you know, and, and some people don't want options, but yeah. it's, 
but you know if you don't know your options you don't have any so you might get presented and and a lot of people feel like that's the only way but actually there's so many questions you can ask to understand what the alternatives might be you know or to get a greater understanding of do am i sure that this is the right approach for me jen's just written that she waited 15 days to avoid an induction I think, um, you know, it's about understanding the, and weighing up the risk versus the benefit of intervention, basically, you know. And actually, I just was just on an acupuncture course about pregnancy and, and childbirth. And the, the guy who taught it was incredible. He's an obstetrician working in America. And um, he was talking about um, ECVs um, when they flip the baby. Then he was also talking about breech births, which obviously is very controversial and pretty much nowadays is rarely allowed because it is so dangerous. Um, but he was saying how he just delivered this baby, um, a breech baby, and it was it was amazing hearing him talk about it. I'm going to try and get him on the podcast because, you know, it's just like normally everything, oh gosh, no, thank you very much. But then the way he talks about it, you think, well, wow, like, you know, with the right, in the right hands and with the right information, the right skills, then, you know, if that's what you want to do, then it is possible. But it's very much possible now more and more is just not everywhere offers it. So it might be that you have to go a bit further mm. to have a vaginal delivery, you know, for your breech baby. But it's perfectly safe for the people, as you say, who know how to do it. Yeah. It's not everyone has exactly. that. So do you think that there's um, kind of a shift in, in the, the kind of women generally kind of seeking more information and just trying to kind of regain a bit more control over their birth? You know, rather than before, just get, you know, because I guess it's gone from being at home that you would birth to being at hospital. And I think, especially with COVID, everybody is, well, there's, it's a bit more complicated going into hospital because you can't have your partner there. So do you think there's a shift in, in kind of people's approach to birth? Kind of like, do you think people are asking more questions than they used to? Do you think, yeah. You know, people well, want to, oh, is it, is it still very kind of like, you've got the people who just would really like to have that water birth and do it all naturally without intervention and the people who just want to go to hospital and have someone pop an epidural in or you know like or do you think there is more of a drive now to kind of people just generally wanting to have a better understanding of what's going to happen you know I think a lot sometimes all the information can be a bit too much for people mm-hmm. well I think it's just yeah it, it depends isn't it this kind of person that you are but I think that there's lots of you know really brilliant balanced information there if you know where to look for it yeah uh, been kind of more more visible yeah. uh, but you know we are still birthing in in the nhs system and um and like i said before you know you if you don't ask the questions if you don't um yeah do your research you end up on this kind of conveyor belt where you are statistics you're kind of a bit of a tick box but if you want that kind of personalized care yeah. then it, be, you know has to come from from you it's not that you get presented all the options um readily just because of time and, and things like that um so it's very much kind of up to I, you i think that's a real biggie but i think like something that we've noticed a lot through these conversations is that often people just either don't get off, offered the information because of time so i had a friend who was um they said, oh, where are you going to give birth? And she said, oh, just at Winchester down the road. And she didn't realise that that was a question about, would you like to give birth at home um, in a midwife-led unit or in hospital? She just thought, which hospital? Like, you know, she just, and it just didn't even cross her mind that there were other options. And I think the other thing that I think will be really interesting when we come out of the pandemic is, um, God, hope those days come soon, um, is um, how many more home births there have been? Because I think a lot, of, a lot more people I no uh, um are thinking about it more so than i have ever heard before um are you finding that yeah yeah i agree i agree um and some of it is also the logistics you know if you have other children and and all of that sort of stuff but i I know what you mean i agree there's there's a lot there seems to be a kind of um well it'll be interesting to see the stats in, in home birthing so okay so we've kind of done all the birth prep now so you also another part of what you teach women whilst they're still pregnant is that kind of postpartum well-being so in that kind of postpartum period so how do you how do you prepare women whilst they're pregnant about about all the things that are to come so i do this postnatal prep session um and this is very much a tailored sessions you know exploring a woman's um maybe any concerns they might have about going into that postnatal period, but also setting some realistic expectations about what it might be like. So 
understanding, you know, what to expect physically, emotionally, and how, how, what you can put in place in pregnancy and how that can, you know, what, how can that be a positive experience? So you're really getting a a bit more of an understanding about what it might be like. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, for me, I was so focused on, on the birth, you know, the first time around, it was such a wall that I I didn't even think about anything Uh, beyond that, let alone, how to prepare for that period and actually yeah. really by, by surprise because I found it really really challenging yeah so you're absolutely right I think there's so much talk about kind of birth and then there's also talk about rehab after birth so like how to get your body back or you know how to get your pelvic floor working again but there's nothing about how to prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for this huge shift that you are about to have from being a um you know a, a, a a woman to being a mother and hmm. or, or you know a, a, a couple to being parents as well like you know for both of you it's just this huge huge shift and yeah I think it's it's quite you know I can understand why you know that it's actually a really important part of training that gets left out a lot and yes you can't of course completely prepare for it because as you say it's such a huge transition and everyone experiences it in a different way mm-hmm. but there are certainly things that you can put in place in pregnancy so it's really to also give people that that idea and and so, so what I mean, sort of things are you talking about so things like, you know, people choose from a range of topic that, that interests them. So, you know, things like emotional recovery and well-being. So what some of these emotions, like what are the normal range of emotions that you might experience? Yeah. Really big emotions there that, that like anxiety, overwhelm that people might never have experienced before. Yeah. So a bit of a surprise. Um, or I guess it could trigger something that you used to have that, you know, kind of, you've managed to get through and it's all of those hormones and emotions sorry that was my story for sure that my anxiety that that had been under control really resurfaced um after after birth and for some people maybe it's something that they've never had before and they just don't even really know what what it is Uh, so it's kind of you know normalizing what some of these things might be in terms of emotions um but also talking about you know how to cope with sleep deprivation um how your relationship and the intimacy you know how how that might change as you move from 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 you know couple to, to parents um and then- i actually asked one of my clients the other day about um i'm seeing her as a physio um for some pelvic girdle pain post in the postpartum period and one of the questions i asked her was about whether or not she was you know having sex with her husband and she kind of was like oh god no and i was like you know do you mind me asking why and she was like well the baby's still in the room and it was really interesting because you know i was kind of looking for more of a kind of fear or pain or you know you know whether or not they've been stiff this and the other and actually she was just like well there's a baby in the room how am i supposed to do it the baby you know so there's so many, so many reasons why you end up not having sex with feeling knackered i mean there's all sorts of <laughs> stitches all sorts yeah exactly and then I guess um other you know the other thing that's a biggie is kind of that rest and recuperation and how important it is and I think this is also where your partner um getting them on board and kind of having them to understand that is really important because I think you know whatever birth you have like your body is is pretty traumatized afterwards even with the best smoothest delivery you know like it's physically grueling what you go through um and and exhausting you know depending on how long it's lasted and i think if you you need those support systems around you so that you know you're not up cooking lots of meals or you know being expected to hoover or you know like all those different things and not having hundreds of visitors in all the time you know yeah, exactly. So it's exactly those sort of things that you're talking about. It's also establishing, yeah, the support network. It's kind of creating um, what I call a post postpartum wellbeing plan, but it's more of a workbook, something to work through yeah. to root babies here. You know, writing down, putting some of these things in place in pregnancy um, to kind of make that transition a, a smoother yeah. one. Yeah, I think it's good because I think, you know, everybody knows to like cook as much food as possible and pop it in the freezer. But, you know, maybe no one thinks about just saying to people, you know what, do you mind just giving us two weeks before you come and see it visit? So as much as lovely to have everybody come around, not that it can happen right now, but um, yeah, I think, you know, in a way, COVID's done some good things for new mothers as well as some awful things as well. But, you know, in that sense of really kind of enforcing that rest and that time to really kind of like bond with your baby and your and find your feet as new parents. And 
Mm. And that's the most important thing, isn't it? So, you know, I always say, like, give yourself that permission in pregnancy when you're in a more logical kind of mind, less, less foggy mind, to focus on, on, on rest, on recovery, on bonding with your baby. That's the most important thing. And put in place boundaries, you know, maybe do that in pregnancy already, telling visitors what to yeah. expect, um, thinking about what might be helpful and, so, you know, yeah. not know, but, but just kind of putting these boundaries in place so that you're not... Um, yeah, when you're in a less vulnerable place yeah. than autumn. I um, so that sounds really cheesy, but I actually wrote my husband a letter before um, before we had our baby, our first baby, and it was just kind of saying like what I felt at the time, how excited I was, but also how I knew that our life was going to get really hectic and really hard work, and that you know there were going to be times where no doubt we would be having a battle about who was the most tired, or you know neither of us would want to make a meal, you know whatever, or you know we'd both be exhausted and you know grumpy and this and the other, and just to you know, always just kind of try to take a big deep breath and try and help each other. And that I would always, you know, try and do something nice for him as well as, you know, hope that he would do nice things for me because, you know, you are both going through it. And, you know, even from the point of view that the husband's, let's say you're breastfeeding, they can be quite alienated from it all because you don't, um, you know, they can't get involved. And so like, they must feel like such a spare part, like often, you know, they, they, they're not pregnant, they can't labour the baby, and then they can't even feed the thing, you know. So, um, you know, I think it's just kind of remembering that, the, that they're going to be going through some crazy times as well. And I think it's quite nice. I just think it's quite nice to get it down in writing because... Yeah, for you know, sure. That's a really nice idea, actually. I, I get people to write a letter to themselves or a note to themselves. Um, but I think it's really important, as you say, and a really nice thing to, to write one to your partner as well and really involve them in that process. And there's so many things they can do to support. So also exploring what that might be. You know, there's emotional ways, there's practical ways, there's yeah. baby care ways. But um, to kind of get them, yeah, get, get make them feel involved oh chills are saying such a lovely idea i wish i did that <laughs> sorry babe you can have one more <laughs> um so um okay well let's talk about the postpartum period then so once once you've um once you've had your baby and you've kind of come out the other side what um how do you support women then and when would they when would they normally turn up to you and what sort of client would they be so that's again the kind of postnatal what i call postnatal well-being the kind of a postnatal mot session if you like so a check-in with with someone's uh, experience and they're very personalized so you know again it depends on 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 what particular challenges or struggles someone is is coming across um but the first thing that always cover is birth recovery is yeah. birth birth experience talking that through you know beginning to process um however your birth went yeah. but begin process because for a lot of people um they've not you know they've gone from the birth room to to baby care yeah. uh, non-stop baby care with no chance to kind of let that sit so so that's a really big part of it and then and then it depends you know some people might come with they're feeling really overwhelmed or um or anxious so it's then talking about some techniques that might help them and kind of you know mm. talk that through or someone might be struggling with body image um issues maybe so it's talking more about body appreciation the postpartum body you know all of that sort of stuff or it could be that you know someone is is, is struggling with some issues with their relationships so in place so there's lots of different it, it depends you know what people kind of come come with i think i think those are like i mean there's such big topics all of them but i mean i think the, the first one you mentioned about kind of going over your birth is so important and i think even if you've had a wonderful birth like it's a huge moment in your life it's something you are never going to forget and I think like you it's you it's important to kind of process it you know and and take the good things and you know the things that you wish you could have changed or you know because there'll be little things that you because it goes so quickly and then as you say you're thrust into looking after a child you won't be processing it you won't be thinking about it and I think that is it's a huge and I think for people who have challenging births I think you know, I often hear about people who don't want to have a second child because their first birth was so bad. And I just think that is terrible. Like, how sad is that? Um, 
god look yeah. see jen's saying she's still waiting for her birth reflections meeting and she's pregnant with number two so i mean that's just mental and you know i'm actually at, at the end in the show notes we put i put some links together you'd help me put some links together of um different kind of support networks and i think you can get it on the nhs to birth afterthoughts yeah. so i'd encourage everyone to do that a lot of the time people access that when they're pregnant with with their their second but i would say access it as mm-hmm. soon you know, as soon as you can because it can really help get some clarity about why yeah. certain things happen in the way that they did and and for you to kind of start processing and making sense of that experience yeah. um and so, then from the body image point of view i think i mean again I, in terms of it'd be interesting to know what you cover but i think understanding what your body's gone through and how long it takes to recover hopefully would put a bit of perspective on the realities of of healing and also the fact that you are stressed and exhausted and you know you are at your apps you're in pure fight or flight mode in those first three months like you are just surviving you are you know feeding this baby and trying to sleep and that's literally all you do basically so yeah yeah interestingly again i got it when i asked for a c-section so as soon as i asked for a c-section they they booked me in straight away for it to try and try and kind of encouraged me out of doing it so also i guess you know in terms of the types of patients so you're not looking specifically at people with postnatal depression or or baby blues it's kind of that in between is that right oh for me it would be like you know what i would call like you and me um just kind of what what people typically go through you know or struggles that people go through and and obviously it doesn't mean that people with postnatal depression you know, obviously are more than welcome and, and, and do access the, this service. But obviously postnatal depression would require an additional support, yeah. um, an additional support to that. So, you know, so this is very much for, for just people mm. um, in the postnatal period who are encountering some, some struggles, some challenges, you know, yeah. want to get a, a more positive experience or just want to have a bit of a check-in. Um, just put some of those tools in place to kind of help them manage their new... Yeah changes basically yeah that, exactly i mean in terms of kind of like managing time and energy and all that sort of stuff i mean you know like what so what what sort of techniques do you use in terms of managing well just like in terms of making things more manageable what techniques do you tend to use i think if it's something if we're talking about feelings you mean like overwhelm and things like that people that are yeah so i I mean, a lot of the time, this anxiety or overwhelm comes from kind of these future unknowns or uncertainties. So I always, I've got a list of them, but I always suggest equipping yourself and practicing two or three what I call grounding techniques in pregnancy. So grounding techniques are techniques that kind of bring you back to what's happening right now and and break that cycle of overthinking. So things like, um, I always use the five senses one where Wherever you are, just pausing and just naming in your head one thing you can see, one thing you can hear, one thing you can taste, one thing you can touch, one thing mm. you can... I always do that with my toddler. Um, kind of, you know, breaks the cycle, it grounds you. Um, another thing is a breathing technique. So, again, you know, wherever you are, feel your feet on the ground and then take a deep breath in through the nose for a count of four and then out for a count of six to eight um, or whatever other breathing technique you've been using. If you've been using one in labor, you know, stick yeah. to that. And the third one is counting. So again, wherever you are counting the number of books, you can see number of you know shapes, number of flowers, whatever. Um, those sort of things, you know, like that, they're really simple. There's yeah. no, there's kind of magic in them, but they really help in term, in terms of stopping that kind of bringing you back to what's happening in the body rather than just being up here and, and, yeah. and, and you know, having some unhealthful uh, patterns of thinking. And what about um, for like those mothers that are kind of not giving themselves the time for self-care? Like, how do you, I mean, I, I mean, I know lots of mothers who never had time to like brush their teeth or have a shower and, you know, like actually they're just, the kind of fundamentals of just you know living a normal life how do you kind of try and get that person not only to understand how important it is for them but really build it into their their day it is really really hard i mean um i I hear what you're saying but it's also you know self-care is is not a luxury you know it's it's an absolute necessity yeah Uh, 
are doing yourself, but you are doing your baby a favor. Mm-hmm. It's really building that resilience, building that energy, um, energy resource so that you have more, more um, energy in the cup, kind of the cup, look after your little one. And it makes such a difference to your mood, to, to your energy. So it, it's, yeah, it's more like, it's not just about you. It's also, well, it's, it's, it's for your baby. It's that you can be the best mum that you can be. Um, so I I say to people, well, don't, it it can be tiny. We're talking like self care, you know, maybe it's stuff that you're already doing. Maybe it's, it's when you're settling down for a feed, just doing a few breaths, Mm. um, Maybe it's just before jumping on your phone and scrolling through Instagram when you're feeding. It's just having a look at your baby, maybe, you know, observing them, looking at their faces, um, you know, kind yeah. of mindfulness kind of exercise, if you like. Or maybe it's you're in nature before you plug into that podcast or podcast. That's a good one. Yeah. Or you know, maybe you're just spending a few minutes observing what's going on in nature. Um, it's really can be really small things. But I'd also say have some pockets of time without your baby so where your partner can take the baby and you know we're not talking going on going to the loo on your own that that's basic needs i'm that's talking <laughs> doing something nice for you get a cup of tea and go and sit in the garden for five minutes or you know put a nice moisturizer yeah. on is it can be really really small i was so about just, to say that like weirdly i was thinking like you know when you get out of the shower maybe just spend like five minutes putting moisturizer all over your body and just like <laughs> connecting with yourself and like I don't know yeah I think you're right and actually someone said to me um when you go on a walk hopefully without the baby if you do have that that space don't take your phone so don't listen to a podcast and just look at nature like you said and just really kind of just having that time and space with your mind and and you know you're just you're just yourself really but yeah I think you're actually right I mean I remember around three months mark um just my husband coming home from work and thrusting the baby into his arms and just running into the night like tears streaming down my face it was pouring with rain I was like running across fields with mud and stinging nettles and you know I mean it's probably not very safe I shouldn't have been running because it's the first run I've done like postnatally like that's how you cause yourself injuries you know but I think I, was, I got myself to such a point where I just was like I need to get out now like I suddenly realized the baby was with us forever and I was like ah but you know yeah I think it, after that I started to put little things in place um to support me more you know so I didn't get to that I said to people is do this in pregnancy write down you know mm. a few things that you can do in one minute in five minutes in ten minutes if you've got a longer stretch and so that you know, you've got all these ideas and when you do get that, that chunk mm-hmm. of time, whether your baby's napping or your partner can, can hold the baby, you can just pick from, from the list and do it and make that, you know, and it's a non-negotiable, do yeah. this every day. I think that's so interesting as well is to get it prepared before you have the baby. It makes so much sense. Like even, again, someone said the other day who had a C-section, she was like, I knew how to get out of bed, but I never practised it. And actually, when it actually came to it, I was like, damn it, why didn't I practise how to do this role? Because I really need to know how to do it. And I'm like kind of trying to struggle my way through it. And it's so right, if you prepare yourself and you say to your husband, right, you know, with partner, you know, um, every, you know, once a, even if it's twice a week, you know, I'm going to go on a walk or I'm just going out, you know, whatever those boundaries are. Yeah. If you put them in place before you get to that crisis moment, I think that's going to make such a difference. And make sure that your partner also has that time. You yeah. Know, it's like on track we forget about them, don't we? <laughs> we each need that time um, to be ourselves and to have that, that, that time for, for ourselves. Do you think that, um, women are more anxious um during during the pandemic there's been yeah for sure i i think what's really hard is for, for women who are pregnant is that kind of forever changing status of, of, of what's going on in the maternity services so you know the place of birth sometimes suddenly the birth center is shut or uh, home birth is suspended or you know it's changing a lot and and the rules with birth partners um yeah they can come to to scans or no they can't anymore you know things like that or they can come when you're in established labor so it's really difficult and postnatally it's i think what's really really hard for people is that lack of, of support network mm-hmm. you know all the stuff that they would normally be accessing those face-to-face services mm-hmm. are there um so that's really hard so that you know the kind of loneliness and yeah. and, and it's really uh, comes up a lot more than mm-hmm. than it used to 
But I guess, like, you know, the key is that people should know that there are services out there. And you can, even if you can't meet people face to face for, you know, a session with you, for example, you know, that you can still give so much support and, and signpost on. And, you know, there are professionals that you can see face to face still. And, you know, thankfully, like, you are now allowed to go on a walk with your baby and another mother and their baby. So there are, you know, little things that you can do to, to kind of, ensure that you keep your mental health um as good as you possibly can because it, it it's really sad like you know you think about these women who um are pregnant during the pandemic and then we'll have the baby and then by the time we end up coming out of this potentially whoever they work with might not have ever seen them as pregnant they've got a baby like okay. I mean, how bonkers is that like it could be up to two years and mm. you, like you know i just i mean obviously no one worries about what your work friends say but you know i just think like when you kind of think about it like that you know how much people are missing out in that interaction and it is a nice thing to share your bump with people and of course everyone wants to show up their baby and yeah i think you know it's it's even just having a good old natter with your girlfriend like it's so and sharing experiences and how hard it was last night and mm. you know sharing vulnerabilities and 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 making connection with yeah. these antenatal friends or, or yeah. wherever you met them but that kind of people at the same stages as you and knowing that you're not the only one it's you know other people are finding it hard all of that kind of stuff amazing well listen thank you so much Val it's been absolutely incredible we've covered so much in such a short period of time yes. we've r- rattled through it but um I think like the key key takeaways that you know knowledge is power and with that information you can put into place you know so many different tools to support you whatever your journey is um and you can you know just you know it's a crazy time at the moment i mean having a baby is craziness anyway like it really is mind-blowing how how you can it's so hard to prepare for it but i think you know that in these in these days and times it's, it's even more bonkers and i think the more we can prepare ourselves emotionally and and physically you know the better the better you can be definitely definitely incredible but listen, where can people find you if they if they want to come onto one of your your courses so I can be found on uh, Instagram or Facebook at Positive Birthing and Parenting or on my website um, where you can book a free call, no obligation to sign up, just to have a chat and to find out a bit more, ask some questions um, or just, yeah, drop me an email and, and hopefully you can put those details in the in the notes. But Thanks. it's Positive Birthing and Parenting. Good. Thank you and good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'll see you soon. Bye, thank Take you. Care. I'm now going to try and work out how to turn this off. I always <laughs> never know how to do it. Right. I literally don't know how to do it. <laughs> oh, right. Bye. Speaking to Val has really changed my opinion on hypnobirthing. I used to be very skeptical, but understanding the methodology and the application, it starts to make so much more sense. And as with most things pregnancy, it's about preparation and gaining understanding. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tinto Talks. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Tinto Talks so that more mothers can find trustworthy answers to those burning questions. Have a wonderful week and thanks again for listening.